everybody good okay welcome back everyone to another episode of hailing frequencies open my name is carrie and i am joined today by my co-hosts david and mel hi <laughs> today we are going to be talking about the episode the conscience of the king now this was directed by i hope i say his first name right Gerd Oswald, and it was written by, hopefully I say this guy's last name right, Barry Truvers, Rivers, something like that, and uh, also Gene Roddenberry helped write this one. So, this episode is, I think it's a really good one. It's um, a Shakespeare type episode, because there are two Shakespeare plays that are being performed in this episode, Macbeth and Hamlet. And you'll understand why after we discuss this. So David, Mel, first impressions. Yeah, Mel, what was your first impression? Mm, well, my first impression, just overall of the whole thing, it was a bit melodramatic, but I, but yeah, it was, it was, some of the melodramaticness was um, good. It was, it was fun. And some of it was just mind numbing, <laughs> but it was, that's, that's what I think it melodramatic is what sums it up for me. So um, I didn't know anything about this episode before I watched it. Um, having now watched it, it was interesting um, for some behind the scenes context because on Amazon, these are not listed in order of when they aired for whatever reason. This episode is the last episode that was filmed with Yeoman Rand. Oh. However, because everything's in different orders, Balance of Terror, which is the episode we're going to review next after this, she is in that as well. And so the thing that's messed up about that is so she found out a week before this episode was filmed that she was fired. <gasps> I heard. Yes. Because wow. the network wanted her fired for a while because she was removed at network pressure to enable Kirk to have a succession of romantic interests. Oh, what the shit. <laughs> they didn't want him to have a relationship, which is where it was going for. No. He just, they just they, wanted him to be a hoe. Yes. Yes. So they wanted him to be they wanted him to be Riker without the morals. <sighs> or Jeez. Riker is Kirk with morals. I don't know. Riker's a nicer person than Kirk is. Yes, he is. <laughs> like I would I understand why women like Riker. I don't understand why people why women like Kirk. Different era. <laughs> I, I it guess could just, it could just be that he's the captain. Fair. Um, Roddenberry has did say yeah. for 
years and years after this that he wished that he hadn't relented to them and had kept her on because he he regretted it because he liked the character and really wanted to develop it which is good because i'm not sure who's going to bring them sandwiches after she's gone <laughs> <laughs> or randomly appear in an emergency and go who wants coffee like i <laughs> <laughs> but well, i yeah. mean clearly clearly Roddenberry had intentions for that character scene as she has in the past had some major storylines mm-hmm. that I'm sure he was envisioning or probably even put on pay- on on the page would develop into something by the end of the season and, and the next five years or whatever, however the show however he envisioned the show running for. So right. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You wouldn't invest in a character like that if you didn't have plans for the future. Yeah, that's something I would love to see, like old drafts of episodes to see what he wanted characters to be like. That would have been cool to see. The show probably would have gone in a way different direction than it did. Probably. Well, it's it's very well known, like, he was constantly tweaking and fighting with the networks about, no, I want this, and I want, I need to have this, because this is what, um, you know, because he wanted to cover a lot heavier stuff, mm-hmm. and the network was just like, no, 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 which is why when we get to, like, Balance of Terror in some future episodes, he did manage to sneak some in where they de- do deal with that heavy stuff, but it seems to be at the cost of other episodes, which are just like, what is this? And Like Shore Leaf? <laughs> maybe? Um, or, because to me, something that I've mentioned before is they seem to touch on really serious issues, but then they just won't go, they won't go for it. And I think that with Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, they really fixed a lot of that problems because you're like, no, no, we're we're doing it. Yeah. Like, we're not just going to touch on this. We're going all the way, and you're going to have to deal with what comes out of it. That's what I really appreciated about Next Gen and Deep Space Nine and Onward is they actually dedicate the whole episode to whatever issue it was and did it and resolved it good or bad in whatever situations and you got more contacts you got more character development you got the full story everything seemed well-rounded but in the beginning stages it's so hard when it's like your baby and you're fighting for your baby and then all these other people are saying that's not gonna right (laughs) To me, it, um, it, it it's like because of the time frame and what Roddenberry wanted, like he wanted a diverse cast, he wanted men and women on equal par and 
you know, there are a bunch of white dudes in it, but also there's a black woman on it and a Japanese man. And so the white dudes are ethnic. There's a Scottish dude and there's a Russian guy or Ukrainian. Ukrainian? And um, Russian. He's Russian. Yeah, he says Russian. Yeah. And then, you know, an alien dude who are, who come together eventually to be the main players and you know clearly Roddenberry had big dreams and aspirations for the show but because it was so new and so diverse the network was probably scared they didn't know what America or the world at large was going to think of this thing they were throwing out there you know Mm -hmm. this was kind of a first on a lot of levels and I always think of Next Gen as the do-over because it had grown the genre, not only the genre but the world and uh, the people that we see on the TV screen had grown so much they were like let's do this the right way. After season one. After season one, right. I mean they still had to feel it out but they got yeah. there even they did yeah for sure it's it and the other problem for him was like like people look at star trek the original series now and they're like oh this was such a big you know phenomenon it wasn't um its ratings were very bad the fact that it ended up getting three seasons is a small miracle yeah um, you have the fans to thank for that right well, I didn't know that it had three seasons until I looked it up to start watching episodes. I thought it only had one season. I was surprised that it had three. So this, the ratings were good enough after the first season to get a second one. But then during the second season, its ratings tanked. So they weren't originally going to get a third year. But it's one of the few shows that enough people wrote letters, enough people were involved that NBC's like, all right, fine. But what I've been told is, is what you see in the third season is the production values drop. Cause like in the first two, they're like, all right, we're putting in the money, we're putting in the stuff. But in season three, they're just like, fuck it. You know, cause you're not watching anyway. So, we're going to give you one just because, but we're not going to put forth the effort that this show requires. We're just not putting in the money because you're just not watching enough. Which makes sense, but it's also... Well, and something else that I read is, so after season one, the network came out and said, you know, because people were asking for stories that were centered around Sulu and Uhura and Scotty and McCoy and, you know, stuff and stuff like that. And the network's like, don't worry, we're going to do it. But of all those characters, the only character that ever got like a story based around him was McCoy. Mm-hmm. Like, they never got to a story about Ahura. They never got to a story around Sulu. And 
based off of what I've read, it's not because Roddenberry didn't want to do stories about them. It was because the network was really hesitant to do it. So it's it's the 60s. So yeah. I try and keep that in mind while watching it. You know, yeah. racism. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, 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 not, I'm not mad at it. I'm actually just impressed that Roddenberry even got it on the air. I think sure. he was too. Walk, <laughs> yeah, he totally you walk was. into a studio and you're like, I want to do, I want to do a show about space that's going to have aliens and it needs to have a diverse cast of people from different backgrounds and colors and they're going to be doing the stuff and running the ship and you never know what's going to happen. And well, we're going to have green people. <laughs> I'm sure the studio people were like, what is this guy on? Well, and the thing was, is, and they held true on the diversity, like in the background characters. So like when you see bunches of crewmen in the hallway, there's always at least a few non-white actors in there. There's always at least a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've always done that. Like they continue to do that now. And I was just like, and um, I remember LeVar Burton was saying something about that where he was just like, Star Trek actually walks the walk when it comes to equality because they've always just been like, we're just gonna cast the best person for like, they weren't afraid to cast a black man to be commander of Deep Space Nine, you know? They I weren't necessarily. What's that? I think it was his voice. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got a great voice. <laughs> he he does. Uh, I love uh, Avery Brooks. Uh. And then and then they broke the mold again right after that because they had Janeway. Yeah, and, and that wasn't because of her voice. No, no, nope. but <laughs> total fe- female even captain now, power trip. But yeah, no, they broke with each six successive mm-hmm. series they broke a barrier or broke a mold and yeah, yeah. shatter they, stereotypes they've never, been afraid. they've never been afraid to do that yeah and like Janeway's not my favorite captain but it's not because she's a woman it's because I don't think they wrote her very well like especially as the seasons go on I just didn't she just doesn't work for me but that's for another day but you know it's they they try really hard to do a lot of different stuff. Sometimes it hits as it became more popular, like with the next gen and Deep Space Nine specifically. The ratings were so good, even though they were in syndication, that the networks were like, "Here's all of the money. Do whatever you want." Yeah, we're gonna do a two part episode about racism. Okay, let's do it. But we're gonna go real deep. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's like, oh, and then we're gonna do, then like the very next season. Okay, we're gonna do another episode about racism, and it's like, are you? And they did, and it's yes, and it's we are really good, and it hits hard. And I think that's what starts. I think that's what this uh, this series allowed future series to run. Mm-hmm. So However, that does thank not you for prevent. That. However, that does not prevent me from making fun of this series. Oh, no, it's, it's fine, because everybody from 
TNG and on make fun of this series too. Even William Shatner still makes fun of it. As he knows. He, he knows. He should. Like the first movie, he's like, well, that's a pile of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, he knows. It's fine. It's fine. He's got it. He's got a thick skin. Well, they made him wear pajamas. So. <laughs> For the movie? My, look at, oh, yeah, yeah, the movie. At, oh, and a girdle. Look at my, look at my gold pajamas. <laughs> oh, the gold pajamas. Oh, my goodness. Right. What happened in this episode, Carrie? Oh, yeah, the episode. That's <laughs> 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 uh, so much fun, just shooting shit. Okay, so beginning of this, this episode, The Conscience of the King. Opening scene, we see a play, a stage play happening of Macbeth. And Kirk and one of his friends from God knows where is with him at a play. Kirk's enjoying himself, but his friend is not. And he um, brought Kirk here under false pretenses, which seems to happen a lot. And he's like, why am I here? Why did you bring me here to see this play? And he's like, the, the man, the, the man playing Macbeth. Look at his face, listen to his voice. That is, um, he believes that it is Kronos the Executioner from some war that happened. He's like a, dic- he was like from a Tarsus dictator. War. Yeah, Tarsus IV, thank you. So he was like some kind of dictator and he, the planet was running out of food. Um, There was like too many people apparently. So he murdered 4,000 of them in order to save the rest. And uh, we kind of find Kirk and his friend, let's see was um oh gosh let me see here it was played larry matson no david troy holy crap yeah anyway i'll figure it out in a second um he brought kirk there to identify this man as the executioner and kirk didn't see it but the, his friend is like, no, it's him. It's him. He's the one that created, did the genocide. Um, and apparently his friend is scarred up. Like ha- He's got this whole like uh, Phantom of the Opera mask on his face. He was apparently uh, deformed in the battle. And Kirk just obviously, he's not... Uh, he's sympathetic to his friend, but apparently this happened 20 years ago. So a lot's changed, which also I had questions about that. The time frame. Do we know exactly how old Kirk is at this juncture? No, they've only implied, I believe, he was the youngest person to make captain. So my guess is he was in his early 20s when that happened. So at minimum, he's probably 45? I would really? assume. Well, if, if, I, if I we're thought... running off of this 20-year timeline, 
yes, if we're running off this timeline, I assumed that he was like 35. Because this isn't his first um, captain assignment, is it? No. Okay. I'm just speaking to what you were talking about with the time parameters. Because if he's like 35, then they're talking about when he was like 15. But the way they talk about it, he was already a Starfleet officer at that point. Yeah, which could not have been. That doesn't happen. No, not in the future. It's like you don't get, you get recorded at like 17 or 18. 17 maybe because Chekhov was 17 when he started. Yeah, so that that pops up a lot, Uh, this timing issue. I was like, I don't think that goes with how old we assume that Kirk and the rest of the people are. Uh, yes. So, um, yeah, go ahead, David, (laughs) take it away. (laughs) Um, okay. Um, I was very distracted by the half mask that the man was wearing to the point of, I had a hard time following the the exposition for the plot. I was just like, what is that on his face? Because <laughs> it seems like they cut like a basketball in half and then just melded it to the side of his face. And I'm just talking about what the, because the, the inside of a basketball is just like this flat black surface. So oh. it just looked like they just peeled that to the side of his face. He also doesn't have an eye, so it just covers the whole. And okay, I get it. Um, Kirk is incredibly dismissive of someone who essentially is being accused of being Thanos. Oh, that's a good way um, of putting it. <laughs> um, he he really blows this dude off. He's just like, you're crazy. That dude died. I don't understand why this. we're even having this conversation. I'm going back to my ship now and then I have to figure out what lie I'm going to tell Starfleet because I got conned into coming somewhere I didn't need to be. Well, I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, he, his friend, who's Nin. That's funny because his character name is David and his real name is David. <laughs> Big stretch. Uh, his friend uh, wanted verification from someone who had actually seen this man before and apparently Kirk was one of them so there was like nine people that survived um, part of this massacre that had actually seen him the the executioner and they could right. potentially positively right. ID him and his him. friend got him there under pretenses the saying that they needed supplies and food for the for the colony and the planet, but they didn't. So I don't know what kind of offense that would be and what kind of um, Starfleet uh, jail time he'd get for that. But it's Starfleet vessel and you're saying, you're lying to them to get them to prove that this man is who you think he is but you don't know for sure because you've only got one eye. You can't see very well. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> is that the guy? But my my thing is if he lied if he, <laughs> if he lied to get the enterprise and Kirk there, why can't Kirk just tell Starfleet? I mean, I know it's throwing his friend under the bus, but his friend didn't care that Kurt would get in trouble. So why wouldn't he just say, hey, they lied to us. It was under false pretenses. Right. That's what I was like, thinking, too. It's like, you didn't know until he, you got it out of him. So there's right. no point in lying to Starfleet more. Right. And, and if you're going to lie to Starfleet, let's lie to Starfleet about big things. Yeah. Not not like, an acting troupe. <laughs> we went back in time. Right. Let's not tell Starfleet, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a big one. Don't mess with the timeline. But yeah, I took away from this first sequence that Kirk is being a dick again for no well, real reason. Not surprising. Surprise, surprise. I, again, I think it goes back to that whole thing we were talking about earlier about how Gene wanted the character to originally be. So they're kind of throwing that still in there. But right. you still have to make the character likable for other people. So you can't have it be like a Wuthering Heights situation where you hate Heathcliff and Kathy and you just can't wait till they die. Because those people were awful. I love that you just made a Withering Heights reference. You're welcome. Um, Culture, people! <laughs> I will say this, David. You were distracted by the mask. I, that, first of all, they didn't, for the first few couple of scenes that he was shown, they didn't show that part of his face. So I was waiting with anticipation for the reveal of what was wrong with his face. So when he finally turned around all slow with the music, it was great. <laughs> I didn't care that it looked crazy. I'm just like, see, this mm -hmm. is, yes, this first, is great. First, he I looked, was expecting like, crazy. he did look a little creepy. I was expecting like a Harvey Two-Face moment, you know, like Batman Forever Harvey kind of situation yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. but i mean the mask thing it it worked <laughs> yeah it did it did I, I listen i'm not hating it i'm just saying that i found it distracting fair enough that's fair that's fair that's fair all right so the actor that plays the executioner slash his alternate stage name, Anton Caridian, who and he also has a 19-year-old daughter named Lenore. Oh, Lenore! Have you met her yet? Uh, no, not not yet. No. She she's coming in in just a second. Oh, so, I know. Yes. So, um, Anton Caridian is uh, uh, played by uh, the actor Arnold Moss. And his daughter is played by Barbara Anderson. So, um, Anton is the head of this um, space acting troupe, 
So apparently they travel to a lot of Earth colonies and perform the classics, you know, all the Shakespearean classics. Uh, um, Kirk and his friend David are back at his home with um, David's wife. And uh, as his friend is trying to convince him that this is the executioner, he's like, well, I can prove it to you because I invited the entire acting troupe to my house for a party. Yay. <laughs> so of course, Kirk's like a party. Oh, all right. Well, fine. I'll, I'll go to the party just to humor him because he still doesn't believe that this is the executioner. Yes, David. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. That's, that's not, that's slightly, slightly different to that. So he went back to the ship and looked at pictures of Caridian and Kodos. Oh, and sorry. Put them yes. on the screen together, and then looks at at them and thinks about it, and then Spock appears, and at that point Kirk goes, because Spock goes, "Okay, we're ready to leave," and Kirk's like, "Yeah, Not I'm yet. going to a party." I'm going to a party. And so so we've got bigger problems now because Kirk is now lying to his crew about why they're there, which I don't understand why. Um, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to go to the party. He goes to the party. The host isn't there. And then we meet Lenore, who comes sweeping in in her sexy space outfit <laughs> yes 19 years old by the way mel tell me i'm wrong well how else would you describe this outfit you know <laughs> you're right sexy space outfit not what not my favorite outfit that she wears in the episode no come to that I, one later I agree. but you are <laughs> correct this is a 1960s sexy space outfit. It, it sure is. Um, and they if, have they some hadn't, nice... if they hadn't have mentioned that she was 19, <laughs> I wouldn't have I, believed it. Right? I mean, in the 60s, they definitely had some ideas of what women would be wearing in the future. That they did. And a lot of it seems to be a lot of thigh huge go-go boots and you really always show off your shoulders so my interpretation and this i'm stealing this from a friend of mine because this was her interpretation of women's outfits in the future she just believes that they will be cold <laughs> <laughs> she's like so what you're saying is in the future i'm just going to be cold and i was like i i guess you know? yeah and <laughs> And possibly sprain your ankle once a month. Possible. That's entirely so, possible. So Kirk, being the creepy dude that he is, immediately is like, hey, lady. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and the reason I'm being as creepy as I'm being saying that is because <sighs> that's what he actually does. He's just like, he's just like, yes. hey, I've, I haven't seen you before. 
I and then it's like, yeah. aren't you here to investigate something? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, investigate. I'm going to investigate what she's not wearing underneath that outfit. Is what I'm going to investigate. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and and yeah. if he's in his like 40s, thirty old man. Theoretically, even if, his, even if he's in his 30s, it's like slow down. It's like, oh my god. Like if a girl's 19 and wants to date somebody in their 30s, that's fine. But jumping straight there, like right away, where it's just like, because he's essentially a Tex Avery cartoon in this, where he's just like, <laughs> and it's just like, dude, take a shower. Like, yeah. Like, take a second and Calm down. let it go. It's not. This is not the first woman you've ever seen. And if it is, I need to take you back two episodes to when Yeoman Rand said, look at my legs. <laughs> oh my God. It was creepy and weird and it doesn't stop. This was from... creepier. Yeah, but it doesn't stop for most of this episode. Like, no, it doesn't. His whole, no, it doesn't. His whole thing with her is he's just like, I'm I, like, I'm pretty sure. Kara, I'll take this next bit so that I can finish my analogy. Go ahead. Go ahead. They, they're, he's flirting in typical 1960s fashion. She's fine with it and she's going with it because she thinks it's cool. Apparently, they're drinking. Um, I'm not sure if she was. I don't recall, she but was. I know he is. Okay. Well, she, it's space, he offered so his drink to her, so she's like, "Okay." Space. There's different rules there. Um, we'll call it space Europe. Drinking age is 18. <laughs> we're good. Um, anyway, so he goes, "Oh, I'd like to see you again," and she's like, "Oh, but I'm an actor, and we have this all this stuff." And he goes, "Oh, well, in that case, we should just leave." And it's like, "What?" So they go for a romantic walk. They stop walking like 10 feet from the party, it seems like. She immediately goes in, <laughs> right? And she immediately goes in to make out with him. I'm certain. So in this moment, he looks over her shoulder and sees what looks like a dead body. I'm certain that if that dead body wasn't there, they would have poured right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, behind the rock. Been, behind one of the rock that, formations. And it would have been like that slow shot of them just slowly lowering behind the rock. <laughs> and then yes. we'll cut to like 10 minutes later and they're just lying there under a blanket. <laughs> hastily walking back into the party like straightening their clothes out and but you know. still have perfect hair. Just. Still have perfect hair. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I am convinced that that was what was going to happen. Um, at this point, Kirk sees a dead body. He is somehow responsible enough. He does not kiss her and goes to investigate the dead body. I don't want to give him credit for doing the bare minimum, mm -hmm. but in this case, I'm going to 
because I half expected him to ignore it and then just to continue what they were doing. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> because it's like, well, what's more important? This, which benefits me, or this, which I'm slightly curious about. <laughs> I the mean... Only I can... <laughs> the only thing I can say to that is it was his friend was didn't know that his friend was not at the party but on his way back from town and he could maybe possibly assume that that was his friend on the floor if he's known this man for 20 years he and saw him he might be able to guesstimate that was the shape of his friend I would hope so, being that the body that they saw dead is wearing the same clothes he was wearing when he saw him before. <laughs> that, right. that, that, is, that too. That too. So unless everyone on this planet dresses the same way, which if that's the case, that's fine, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Lo and behold, it is indeed his dead friend now. Now we have something to investigate. Now right. Kirk's probably guilty. <laughs> feeling guilty. Should please, be feeling guilty. Please note, he's still lying to his crew at this point. Correct, yeah. he is. But we do have the glorious return of Lieutenant Thomas Riley in this episode. Ah, Mr. Riley. From the naked from the naked episode where he was singing Scottish or Irish jigs and all this other stuff. So he's yeah, back. I didn't realize he deserved another episode, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question. Yeah. This should be good. And maybe this is just me and my expectations. But um it goes from now that I'm thinking about it, it doesn't make any sense, but it goes from Kirk looking at his friend, not really checking for a pulse or whether he's breathing or not, proclaiming him to be dead, to homeboy laying on the couch in the house, and they're talking about him being dead. No one called a doctor. No one pulled out a tricorder. No one did any type of, no one held a mirror to his mouth. Nothing. They're just like, dude, he's dead. And we're just going to, his wife didn't even seem sad. She was just like, okay, I've been waiting for this fool to die. I, I, I don't, whatever. <laughs> it was so, like, this is your friend of 20 plus years. This is your husband. Neither one of you is like, maybe we should figure out a cause of death. Nothing. Nothing. See, and McCoy's even and in this episode, and they don't and ask him. They don't call. <laughs> they didn't call him down. They didn't call him down and said, hey, come down and check this out. You know, I'm sure there was a doctor in town. Nothing. They, just, they didn't do any. This man was a world-class scientist. He didn't have a tricorder or some kind of system in his house to check. <laughs> that was baffling to me. Now, we can only assume that in the moving him from one spot to another, they were like, yeah, he's dead. But 
even after that, the reactions of Kurt and the wife were so nonchalant. But it's like, no, he's just laying there with his eyes closed. He's asleep. He passed out. <laughs> his Drink eye. Too much. I mean, <laughs> I, one eye. One eye. <laughs> I, I wish I had a really good answer for you. I, I don't. Yeah. And that's okay. It's just it's, I, it's, every so often I'm probably going to have one of these things that's just baffling to me that has no answer. And oh, that's it's not, fine. It's, it's not just baffling to you. It's baffling to both of us. Because when you said that, I was like, you know what? No one did check. No one was like, no one oh, has their pulse? This is easy breathing? Nothing. Nope. Nothing. Not a damn thing. I mean, and from his wife's reaction, you would think she killed him. Like, oh. at this point in, in the show, she has the motivation. She's, well, not the motivation, but she has, like, she's the one who told Kirk he was, he went to town, but he called and said he was on his way back. Okay. Who throws the party and then leaves right before? I mean, I understand. Maybe he went to go get some ice, but it's the future. I'm sure they all have ice machines. Um... And then, like, this isn't dead, a hotel. not this even, isn't not a, even hotel. a tear. Nothing. It's just, it's, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, I'm like, the wife did it. Mm-hmm. It does, it did have that feel to it. I, when I first saw this episode, I'm like, okay, we're going to be on a planet forever trying to figure out who killed this dude. But no, that's not the case. It's just, yeah, it just seemed like it was all completely swept under the rug and then their little bit was over and then they're like back on the ship with with the acting yeah. troupe. Kirk's like, let's bring him yeah. up on the ship. Through very devious means, which yeah. I was convinced that it was more about, it was less about solving the crime and more about getting into her pants. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. He Let's get calls the ship Nord. that they were on. He calls the ship that they were on. That captain owes him a favor. Kirk goes, "Yeah, just blow them off and don't come," but doesn't tell him anything else. And because the dude owes him a favor, the dude doesn't ask and goes, "Sure." So then he freaks out. Next thing you hear is, oh, she, Lenore's beamed on board the ship. And now she's in a smaller miniskirt than what she was in before. <laughs> yes, Mel? <laughs> I'm was not... a bath mat. It was, was a bath mat. Bath mat. <laughs> it was a bath mat. Way to budget. Hey, <laughs> hey boys. It, it was it was a it was like two bath two brown bath mats sewn together to make a mini dress. That's hey what boys. And, and it was and it was absolutely god awful and fantastic. Hey boys, um, look at my sexy bath mat. <laughs> look at my well and, and like it barely covered her butt. So like hey boys, look at my legs and my shoulders, so the shoulders were out. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. A lot of legs. And if you spill something on your hands, you can wipe it on my bath mat. Uh, 
That could get weird. I mean, <laughs> she's wearing a bath mat. How much weirder could it get? Well, um, oh, it does. <laughs> oh, it does. Um, so, please note, anyone listening, we're not saying that ladies, dudes, whoever, you cannot wear like short skirts and have your shoulders out. What we're saying is, please make sure your outfit is better looking than it looks like you sewed two bath mats together. Because <laughs> um, yeah. wear whatever you like. It's totally fine. Also, or if you do choose to wear two bath mats, make sure that your accessories are on point and your hair looks good. Mm-hmm. And her hair looks and her hair looked fantastic. It did. But, you know, but, she could have gone with, like, a choker or a nice, you know, chain or, or pendant or something. I, I would like to point out that when she she gets on board, every male officer on the ship has the same reaction that they do every time a woman goes on board, is they always, <laughs> they always look surprised, like they've never seen a woman before, where they're all just like... Wow. It's a and I'm girl. Just like, I'm like, seriously, <laughs> you saw one last episode. This isn't. <laughs> also, Ahura right? is your uh, co-worker. Like, hello. Right? Yeah. She, she, her outfit barely covers her butt. I mean, it doesn't actually cover her butt most of the time. Yeah, so. she's got those cute little yeah. bloomers on underneath that you see yeah. a lot of. You do. I will also say that Spock, all the you, you are correct, David. All the men were looking at her like, "Oh, girl, it's a girl. We've never seen a girl before. Oh, look at the girl." But Spock was looking at her like, "I'm a cut this heifer." <laughs> like Kirk <laughs> was his boyfriend, and this girl came on to flirt with him, okay. and now. Spock was going to have to destroy her entire life. To be fair, I, I I looked at it more like he was gonna check Kirk on his unprofessionalism because they have like a very weird conversation that would never take place like that. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of flirting, kind of negotiating, and she's like, "Well, what if I trade?" And I'm like, "Here it comes." He's gonna be like, "He'd be like, I have been waiting for you to say trade for a long time because I know what I want in trade. Yeah, <laughs> I want to take yeah. off the bath mat. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna seem ripper. Yeah. I don't, I don't care." I don't care who watches. We can do it here. (laughs) Come on. Kirk is is that guy. Yeah, no. He is that guy. Very much in this episode. So much. And it's just so creepy. So it weirds me out with Kirk, like, leering at her the whole time. And she's like, well, I thought we'd just have the whole troop come on board and perform Shakespeare for everybody. And I literally can see Kirk's soul drop, where he's just like, oh, yeah. I don't really want that. <laughs> yeah. Can it be naked Shakespeare? Because if it's that, I'm in. Because <laughs> at this point, he's, he's not... 
he's just trying to woo her to woo her at this point. And then later on, he tries to use her to get to her dad. And Correct? he is still lying to his entire crew. Still lying. Yeah. Spock, though, Spock is catching on. Because... Yeah. Uh, it took I think that's why Spock was looking at her and him and that conversation like that. Because right. I think at that point, Spock was like, there's something happening and I need to pay attention. Uh, but he still, the way Nimoy played it was, I'm going to cut this heifer instead of I'm concerned. It's funny yes. because it's true. It's so funny because <laughs> it is true. that, And it happens, that look that Spock gets when Kirk finds another woman, that happens a lot in later episodes. Like, oh, Spock, I found another person to love. And really, another I, one? I, I think he's trying to protect Kirk from himself. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's he's always please keep like your hormones down from, here. He's always down one step away from being like Captain. Have you heard of space herpes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see space herpes. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, because <laughs> if you don't think McCoy doesn't have a personalized, uh, uh. Um, STD regime for Kirk at the ready. <laughs> you don't understand their friendship. Well, I, <laughs> so I, I question whether or not that's true because McCoy is an idiot. And, In this yeah, universe. And, and, and it is, it is full frontal in this episode because Spock walks in and talks to him about the captain being weird and McCoy's oh. like I don't know what's going on I've just been relaxing drinking whiskey or whatever it oh is. my god and I'm just like why are you even here like what job do you have did he even why is the doctor sitting in his office getting drunk this right question right I, I don't know uh, like if you're off duty be out of your office and go drink in your quarters or one of the rec centers or rooms or whatever and get out of your uniform right and th that conversation right. that no. him and spock have about um lenore and i don't know if mccoy was drunk at that point but he's like well have you seen her did you look at her she's hot like mccoy stop it gross you're even older <laughs> like Again, it's I get it. It's the '60s, and most series that women were on, they're the sex object. Yeah, I I get that. No, I do. I do. I, I don't it think it sucks. Oh, I don't agree with it. I'm just saying, looking at the context of when it was filmed and all that other stuff, mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah, this is what it is. That's what she's there for. I give them a little bit of credit. Because she's not, she actually had some, Lenore actually had some actually good, like, lines to say and actually yeah. had a role to play. Yeah. And it, she wasn't just like, I I'm adorable. Everyone yeah. look at me. Um, I was only disappointed in her, her outfits because her outfits didn't have a boob window. 
a boob window? <laughs> what the hell? Listen. That's because it was all legs. Listen. Her outfits were all legs. Look back at what like Mud's women were wearing, what some of the other women are wearing. Oh, you mean even like... in next generation Tashi. Yeah. Remember oh, what yeah, Tashi yeah. Yar was wearing in the naked now where she like she had mesh. the boob window where the little triangle yeah. in the middle. That yeah. wasn't even a boob window <laughs> in the naked now. No, that her full stomach like and she back had a crop were top. Out. Yeah, did she have yeah, a crop top on? It was yeah, it was a full like her full below her boob to her below her navel was out. So it was kind of like belly dancer moment. Well, yeah. so in a in our earlier episodes of this, they the women have this weird triangle thing in the middle where the boobs are still fully covered, but like the middle of her like the chest plate is out and you can see it and it's to call it. Perfectly fine. So I'm like, I don't know what else to call that. So I'm going to call it that. Um, it does make an appearance now that I think about it in Next Generation in one of the season one episodes. Um, I'll point it out to you when we get there. But I remember it at that time too, where I'm just like, oh, good. I'm really excited that the future clothing for at least on that planet for women and men were here's two strips of cloth. Do what you will with them. Is that the episode where 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 Wesley breaks something playing football? Yeah. Yes, those people were naked. <laughs> welcome so to our cool. welcome to our planet. Here's your two strips of cloth. You can arrange them how you like. Um, also, that episode, <laughs> it is very evident that. Yar and several of the other officers on board have been having a lot of sex with those people. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go into it when we get there. But yeah, so disappointed there was no boob window. Fair. Okay, that's fair. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> oh my God. That made me so distracted. Okay, where do we leave off? <laughs> The boob window? Not the boob oh, window. Uh, I mean, like original, <laughs> original episode time. Spock and Spock went to go see McCoy, and McCoy is getting drunk and saying it's no big deal because she's hot. Yep. Ah. McCoy okay. is being every '60s dad, which is, I'm still yeah. a drink, but I'm going to be drinking. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that statement from McCoy. Uh, got me a little uh, shook. I was like, are you kidding me with this? It's like, you're basically a grandpa telling, oh, wait, well, wait to get, he is kind of playing Kirk's dad. But that's how he looks every time he sees women before this and afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's, he just sees women and he's just like. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening? Why oh, is no. this? Is he is he just drinking all the time? That's what I'm figuring. I'm chalking it up to he's just always drunk. Yeah, because he does, so far in all the episodes that we have reviewed, he does push the alcohol a lot. It's the 60s, and that Yeah, was but this is then. the future. Maybe they yeah, had, like, <laughs> a sponsorship still... with alcohol companies. <laughs> Star Trek sponsored by Jack Daniels. 
Um, doesn't he mention the name, like he mentions that whatever he's drinking is something that he's had and has been waiting to drink. And this is like the only time he's been able to sit down and savor it. Yeah. Whatever it was, was a special thing. Yeah. I think it was some kind of whiskey. Um, I don't know if he said from where. Uh, like He's had other things before where he said where exactly they were from, but this one in particular, I don't think he said where. Just that it was a type of alien whiskey. No. I would like to point out, too, we find out at some point in the original series that Romulan ale is legal at this time. Mm-hmm as opposed to future episodes. So they're going to end up drinking a lot of that. A lot of that. And apparently that gets you fucked up. I have questions. I'll wait until that comes up. But I have okay. questions. Okay. <laughs> oh, trust us. We've got questions. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. All right. So Spock and McCoy, they're having a conversation. McCoy is being less than helpful. Correct. So he's yes. being, you know, he's being himself. He's being drunk, Dad. Um. Oh, and oh, and Kirk. Yes. Had, what led to that is Kirk found out that Riley knew who this mass murderer was. So yes. he orders him switched from the communications department back yeah. to engineering. Mm-hmm. And Spock points out, well. He might think of that as a as a demotion, and Kirk's like, "I don't care." Why are we not telling people what's going on? Like, yeah, because he's still not telling anybody. So long. Nope. I don't know. I don't. Well, okay, Kirk is too busy, you know, trying to get his, you know, freak on with the teenager. Um, so I guess things just slip his mind. <laughs> like, oh right, yeah, I still have to command the ship. Right. He only what was has I doing? Blood to run one thing. <laughs> oh God. Oh, it's the future. Hey, Doesn't have a cure for that. <laughs> hey, ladies, it's been ten minutes. Who wants to do the sex? Ten <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord. Oh my God. Oh, we're dirty. That's okay. <laughs> even started what are you talking about there are other episodes where he's way worse and it's just like oh so that's why you got rid of yeoman rand is because you wanted him to just be like creep on every single woman that Mm -hmm. didn't stop you in any of the episodes before this why would it stop you afterwards (laughs) right ah i don't know so at this point I feel like Spock, I know he can't show emotions, but he is annoyed at the whole situation. And Spock's figured it out already. And he he himself is like, why hasn't the captain said anything to anybody else? So stupid. Um, And then let's see. We, at some point they do... They have the whole acting troupe on board and 
um, Anton um, Lenore's father, who is he is he he is the um, the executioner. He keeps to himself in his quarters, so he doesn't want to talk to anybody. Um, obviously, probably for fear of anybody recognizing him. But the only surviving people that could possibly identify him at this point are one is dead now, Kirk's friend, David. Kirk can identify him. And apparently, Lieutenant Riley, who to me looks like he's only 20 years old and that he could not have possibly been alive to, to see this whole devastation. And apparently Riley's entire family was killed. And he was like the only survivor. Which I have questions. Like he personally looks like he's only about 20 years old. So how could he possibly remember? Um, he's Benjamin Button. Oh, he aged backwards. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the things I need cl clarification on. <laughs> So he's actually even, 50, but... <laughs> even if he was, say, 24 or 25, I don't know about you, but I don't know what anybody would, that I saw when I was five looked like. Anymore. I mean, I understand that it was a devastating time and that might be ingrained into his mind, but even then, I could get like a voice, but like to see his face and be like, yeah, that's the guy. I don't think that that would, I don't, yeah, that's not reliable to me. Yeah, I don't think right. it would help. He doesn't look old enough to fit into this timeline that they have structured. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it would hold up in court to take the word of someone who was probably like maybe four or five years old at the time. Yeah. Right. But like you were saying, maybe it, since it was such a traumatic event, it, that could get seared in your brain at a very young age and you might remember someone's face or the sound of their voice, but I don't know. I, yeah. There's no like real clarification about that. So, and my um, thought- And if these two men who were mm -hmm. officers couldn't really remember his face mm -hmm. and they were adults, how was this child going to remember? Right. Yeah. Which was like the whole first half of this episode, Kirk just denying, denying, denying. And then somehow he like cross-referenced pictures and dates and times. And he's like, oh, well, sure. Yeah, that's the guy. But I still think he wasn't too sure. So fast forward, everybody's on the ship and... Um, Anton, who is not really Anton, they come to find out this Anton person um, was, you know, created at the same time 20 years ago prior. So putting all the pieces together and Kirk confronts him in, in his quarters uh, about the whole situation. And he's like, no, that's not who I am. No, my name is Anton. No, I am just an actor. I have just, you know, trying to deny his past and everything. But Kirk is just pushing and pushing and pushing. And he's like, 
we can find out by you just recording your voice over here. The computer will analyze it. And he says, Kirk says that the computer is infallible. So the computer should be able to determine just by his vocal pattern that yes, indeed he is the executioner. The problem with this is that people can mimic other people's voices, which would throw that all off. True, and Kirk says, don't try to disguise your voice because the computer will know. I'm like, okay. And then sure. later on, um, they do this, and I think it was Spock that said, uh, well, the computer is not that accurate. Can't get, can't get that accurate of a reading off of his uh, vocal patterns. And I was like, but Kirk just said that the computer was infallible. So is that, is he lying? No, he's just dumb. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. We, this is, this is long established through this podcast already is the crew of this ship have varying degrees of intelligence. It's spikes up every once in a while, but most of the time it's just like, you don't actually know how your ship works. Not nope, at all. Not at all. Things aren't where they're supposed I mean, to be, obviously. <laughs> like, I mean, it might help if Scotty was in this episode, but he isn't. No, he's not. I miss Scotty. Also, Thank you for bringing up Scotty. I'm going to come back to him in a minute. But I do want to say that the whole scene with Kurt confronting Anton in his quarters, it was so overacted that I gave up halfway through it. I was like, I don't, I don't even care what this man is saying. I get it. He's supposed to be this great Shakespearean actor. But I need him to bring it down because he is at 100 and my brain capacity can only go to about 20. And I need him to bring it down. And about halfway through that scene, I was done. I was like, I don't, I don't know what he's saying. He could say, I shot your mom in the face right now. And I would not understand it because it's so, he was so over the top. It was just, Oh yeah. oh yeah i expected the over the top because when you're dealing with shakespeare and no, no matter how much or little you do of it in the tv episode they're gonna go they're going to yeah. go for it yeah um and when you're dealing with shatner because you've got to mm -hmm. you've got to match his over the top and go further yep oh yeah well, he went, oh, he went further than Shatner, and to me, they both fell in the damn volcano. <laughs> yeah, but neither of them are virgins, so it won't appease the gods. Mm. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, and then to Scotty. The, and this is very much a... Pre, is it a prejudice? A stereotype. Stereotype. You would think that the Scot would be the drunk on the ship. Oh, but it's yeah. the doctor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, Scotty 
pulls through quite a bit. He's he's on the other on an episode. He's you know he knows he knows what his, he knows what his shit does, and he seemingly seems to be the only one who knows what his shit does. Um, Scotty just likes to funny eat. To me. I, I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll yeah. see as the movies go on. The actor who played Scotty, he likes to eat. Okay. Then they <laughs> incorporated that into his character? No, but you'll see what I'm talking oh, he about. Just, he just... Oh, yeah. He gets way big. Like, which I'm not fat shaming. I'm just saying. It, it, it's everybody else actually maintained a relatively, like, Spelt figure, even as they got older, he did not. Yeah, go big or go home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what I say, you know, if, as long as you're happy, fine. I mean, he lived to be in his 80s, so I mean, it's not like he cut cut his life short or anything. But. No, I mean, and I don't know if you've ever had if you've ever had um, on set like the catering on a set. It's amazing. Unfortunately, oh. unlike you, I don't live in LA, so I have not had that experience. I haven't had <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had that experience before, but like doing theater plays and stuff, we had a pretty good spread after like you know, like the final yeah. show and stuff. It's pretty good. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Kirk. Confronting, attacking, overacting. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh and oh <laughs> riley got poisoned wait wait yeah, oh yes he yeah. does he does he does so let's build up to that so riley feels and i don't know why he is the only person in engineering because engineering is massive <laughs> yes right mel right i see you i see you oh okay <laughs> this this is the second time that someone was in a part of the ship that was dark and only one person was there and there should have been more people. The first time was when Spock was trying to get all the information and he was running the searches that Kirk had run to figure out what was going on. The bridge Mm -hmm. was dark and Spock was the only person on the bridge. Um, Which would never fly. Excuse me? (laughs) No, that's that's something that happens. Like there's always, uh, even the, even if it's overnight, there's always a minimal crew on the bridge, not just one person. And then it happened again. But Riley is the only person, and not only an empty engineering, but also a dark and empty engineering. Mm-hmm. Like if something happened, he wouldn't need to run over to the other side of engineering. Why would engineering and bridge be empty while everybody is hanging out listening to Ohura sing? Makes no sense. Right? Fair, Ohura sings really well. Oh, she does. Yes, but still. Oh, so good. They could put that. There, clearly, there is a speaker system that runs throughout the entire ship. So they can yes! <laughs> yes! And everybody listens to her sing. It could be the nightly Ohura concert. I'd be in for that. I would not <laughs> be in for that. It's right, because he's down there all by himself, lonely. I don't know what he's supposed to be doing down there. And he's got his lunch and his milk. And his milk right there. Not eating it yet. 
So he calls to like the rec, um, rec room, recreational area. And there's a few crewmen and Ahura there. And he's like, oh no, woe is me. I'm all by myself. Somebody just talk to me. So he's talking to a couple of crew members and Uhura's like, oh, poor Riley, you're all by yourself. Are you lonely? He's like, yeah, sing to me. So she just makes up some song all the while. He's like listening to it and he's like having a good time. He's like rolling around in his chair and, you know, he turns his back to his food. Don't do that, kids. And someone, this is so funny, a uh, just a normal plastic uh, spray bottle you see come into focus and spray something into his milk, which I thought, really? A plastic spray bottle? Couldn't Listen, find anything better? <laughs> Listen, it's the future and all of this fancy metals are being used in the ship, so they have to use plastics for the squeegee bottles. <laughs> I know that he's listening to me. I know that we've all listened to music with like headphones in or the speakers blasting and you're into the music you might be laying down with your eyes closed or whatever but you always know when someone is that close to you exactly am i am i crazy that am i the only person who knows when somebody is behind me and that close no okay no i i'm hyper aware Okay, he should have known that someone was behind him. I mean, he should have known somebody came in the room. But let's just say the door was way on the other side. And you can't hear the... But he should have... Exactly. Because O'Hara is singing, so he can't hear it over her lovely voice. Which, you know, I give him that. But he should have sensed that somebody was there. Or maybe there should be a fail safe where the lights turn on when somebody enters the somebody new enters the room. Yeah. Well, we have that technology now. That's well, right. If you have that problem with that, how big of a problem did you have with the fact that someone was able to just walk into Kirk's quarters with and set the phaser on overload? Oh Don't yeah. You know these doors have locks? Like Yes. Like, how are people able to just walk in? I'm like, if that's the case, then what the heck is going on here? Like, everyone should just go wherever they want. That's mm-hmm. not the thing. There's no security there's, on that There's ship. None. No. none. And that's another thing that they fix in Next Gen. It's like, you yeah. can't come into somebody's quarters unless you, like, ring the little doorbell or you're unless a security you're officer. Yeah, then you have right. security clearance. Specifically, right. specifically well, head of security because I think exactly. the next gen, they're the only people that I've ever seen just like open this door and the computer yeah. will do it. But yeah, yeah. So you get a lot of that in the original series. Be like, I can go wherever I want. It's like okay, pretty dumb, pretty dumb and kind of scary. And you just right because off you, one day because... and you, somebody's lurking in your quarters. Yeah. Well, and I would think that everybody on the ship could, in some capacity, be able to fly the ship. But, I mean, there are people who you don't necessarily want to have access to engineering and the bridge without they permission. They prove in the next episode and in past episodes that 
anyone can fly the ship because Uhura flies the ship. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. She does. So, yes, she does. I clap. So uh, I clap. Yep. I was like, awesome. She gets to fly the ship. <laughs> she doesn't just have to take calls anymore. Yep. She's, she's like, I am she all is, that. She is a glorified answering machine. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like a um, 1930s operator. Yeah. Yes, exactly. One of the old school pulls the plug out and put it in another hole and Mm -hmm. operator. Yeah. That was a terrible impression. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she's just a glorified operator. Okay. Well, yep, for sure. Okay. Sorry. My, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why he was in there alone in a dark room and didn't Mm -hmm. send somebody coming up with their squirt bottle to poison. No. Yeah. I I didn't get that either because I, I thought that, you know, like you would get some kind of training in Starfleet um, to prepare you for things like that. Because, you know, there's probably alien races out there that are really stealthy and they want to try and prepare you for something like that. You might not always succeed, but at least you had the training. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after Uhura is all done singing, Riley finally starts to try and eat his lunch or dinner or whatever it is, and he drinks all his milk and uh, does the lovely over-the-top, I've been poisoned! Oh, no! And he's still uh, on the speaker system, so I assume that they could hear everything that was happening. And he manages to, like, yell out, help me, help me. And then next scene, we see him in uh, sickbay. Hopefully, McCoy is not still drunk at this point. But probably is. (laughs) I mean... No, I think he's definitely drunk. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So he's... I'm not. Yeah. So Riley is... It's like touch and go. Uh, McCoy is not sure if he's going to pull through. And I believe Spock was there too. And Spock was like, he has to pull through. He has to. He has to be able to identify this man for us. And McCoy's like, well, he has to get better first, Spock. And they just don't know if he will. And then... um, And then cut to... Oh, wait. Did we skip over uh, Kirk? Someone, because uh, the phaser overload. I think they, he and um, Spock, his teenage, his, his teenage, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think oh, him no. and, and Lenore mm-hmm. um, go on their hot walking through dark and corridor seat. Oh, gross, yeah. <laughs> because she asked, she she mentioned that he um, turned the lights down in the corridor to make it more romantic for them. He says, no, we try to mimic daylight and nighttime, so in the, day, in the nighttime hours, the lights are turned down low. 
everywhere on the ship. I think it was all around this time. Okay, so now, so. so now that makes sense for why Riley was in the dark. So if they're doing that like all over the ship to mimic nighttime on Earth, then... We have engineering. Yeah. I know, it seems really stupid. I, th I would think you would just have that kind of like in common areas and corridors and things, not in a workspace where you need to see what you're doing. Well, I will say this episode kind of gave me a reference point him saying that to her because in Next Gen, the episode entitled Data's Day, Data, uh, uh, Riker comes onto the bridge and relieves Data, um, and the morning crew comes in to relieve the night crew, and the lights go up on the bridge. Right. So it had right. been it had been mimicking night, and when they when the when the switch out happened, the lights go up. So now it's in the day. So I get it on like like places like bridge or in the common areas and stuff like that. But this is engineering. You kind of need lights in, in in the engine room. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it. <laughs> Riley doesn't. <laughs> well, he's all by himself. I mean, like, what can he do? It's like, it's engineering. I, 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 like, I prefer to engineer by candlelight. <laughs> More warp power, Mr. Riley. Okay. Some romantic Uhura ballads playing. Mmm. <laughs> It's gonna be, gonna be a nice night. Him all alone in engineering, eating his cubed up supper, whatever the hell that was. Looked like Play-Doh bits, just in the form of cubes. Someone, someone goes into, someone goes into relief, and he's in a clawfoot tub with like candles around. I don't always get sexy when I engineer, but <laughs> when I do, <laughs> it's in a clawfoot bathtub with milk. <laughs> I got three bath bombs in here, and I'm soaked. <laughs> <laughs> he also could have been distracted. I will give Riley this for not. I just the only thing I will give him for not sensing somebody behind him. He was also so upset about being demoted. He doesn't Fair. mention that he doesn't know why he's stuck in engineering mm, right. and not being happy about it, which Fox did say was going to happen. Um, so, you know, when you get upset, you're not always thinking. He's listening to the music to try to soothe them. Maybe he wasn't really in the headspace to send someone. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. At this point, I think everybody in the crew should be fired. But you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I will point out that Carrie and I have both already said that at past episodes where we're just like, fired. All of you. Because <laughs> it's... Be fired. I know. Because some I know. of these episodes, there's no coming back. <laughs> 
No. I mean, think about it. The only person who, who, and I'm taking this from, from listening to the previous reviews, because I was not going to watch those episodes, but listening to the previous reviews and the episodes that I've seen, the only person who seems to actually do their job thoroughly mm-hmm. are the women. I'm sorry, the, the, the only people are the women. Uhura and Yeoman Rand. Because she is always around for some coffee and some sandwiches. And <laughs> clearly she just pops up. Just pops up like, here's the here's sandwich. You need some coffee. But clearly she's doing her thing. To be fair, Sulu, I generally give a pass to because he is also generally doing his job. Mm-hmm. Um, except in the naked episode, but that was because everybody lost their mind. And But to be fair, Sulu was having a good time. He was. In the naked episode? Yeah, he's like, let me just oil myself up and wander the ship with the sword. Hey, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, so, I mean, I give Sulu a little bit of a pass because he's almost always doing what he's supposed to be doing. Right. And they, to be fair, they never ask his opinion. So it's like, all right, well, if you're not going to ask him, he's not going to give it to you, so. Well, I mean, he flies the ship, and apparently he has a degree in, like, botany or something. So nobody really ever has any botany questions. Lou, quick, how does this plant grow? Well, I mean, a botanist would be great to have on board because if they're on a planet and they they don't have any scanning equipment, let's say, maybe he would know what plants you could eat without dying. Or if somebody gets hurt and they don't have any equipment, which which plants they could use to remedy the injury. Can't ask McCoy because he's an idiot and he's drunk. You need a botanist. (laughs) Yep. We need to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only assume that because this this is the first ship to go into deep space to explore, they were going for five years, that they would need all of the science scientists they could get on the ship in order to do the exploration. So this isn't the first ship to deep space explorer. Oh, it's not. No. And we know this based off of what happens in the next episode. Yes, that's true. Because there was the Romulan conflict. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, I think he froze. Connect in there somewhere. There he is. (laughs) You froze there for a second. That's okay. (laughs) My, My internet is little wonky that's okay but yeah so with the romulans the next episode it's very obvious that something has happened previous and they bring it up in the next episode so we'll talk about it more then but yeah this is definitely not the first ship um to do that um it might be the first ship to go out as far as it's going sometimes but they're not the first one to go to as far as some of this stuff Mm mm-hmm Okay, so, and now, first, 
Okay, so now death toll, one. Poisoning, one. And now we have to thoroughly find out if this man is in fact uh, the executioner. So I'm pretty sure Spock has just been beating his Vulcan brain on a wall trying to figure out why Kirk is being and dealing with this situation the way he's dealing with it. And uh, he's focusing, Kirk is focusing too much on Lenore. But now at this juncture that um, poor Riley's been poisoned, Kirk is like, oh, now I'll use Lenore to try and get information out of her about her father. And she's not falling for that. Is she still wearing the bath mat? No. No. Because they're getting set to do... In a longer... Yeah, she's in a longer dress this time. Uh, because uh, we know... Is it that one? Uh, uh, that's Hold one on, of them. Me... She wore a lot of different um, things. David Park. Okay. Can you hold it up for me? Yes. Okay. Um, that might have been what she was wearing when they were on their sexy corridor date. Right. Okay. okay. She had a lot of, as you pointed out, she had a lot of outfit changes. Mm-hmm. So... This, yeah, it's because they're an acting troupe, so she has like her own personal wardrobe, and then she has like the wardrobe for the plays that they're doing. So she bounces between both of those throughout the whole episode. Yeah, I really want to see Lady Macbeth, where Lady Macbeth is wearing a bath mat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to wait about four hundred years and see how they interpret that. <laughs> that can be be good or bad depending on how you look at it right it could be um yeah so back when kirk was um accosting anton alone in his quarters uh his daughter does come in and break that all up and then she comes to find out that she she just says something like oh so you were just using me to get at my father. And he's like, uh, well, at first, yeah, but no. But yeah, he really was. So dick move on a, 19, on a poor 19-year-old child. So she asked him to leave, and um, he obliges uh, she's like, oh, you must leave now because my father needs to rest before we do our next performance. And it's like, okay, fine. And um, I think Kirk goes back to his quarters at that point and Spock um, meets him there and try- tries to ask him about this whole situation and why they're here, why they're doing this, why, why are the acting troop on board the ship? I mean, Spock already knows, but he needs to hear it from Kirk. So they're in his quarters and he's like, well, you know, your friend's dead, 
Riley's been poisoned. You're the only other one that has seen this man. And it's my job to, you know, protect the captain and yada, yada, yada. And then they, or Spock hears it first because his Vulcan ears are just, you know, tuned that way. It's just this high pitched weaning sound, which ends up being a phaser on overload hidden somewhere in the captain's quarters. (laughs) And Kirk is frantically trying to find it. Spock runs out of his room and tells everybody in the corridor to leave, um, get at a safe distance, because if this blows, it could take out a humongous chunk of the ship. And Kirk uh, is looking and looking, and he does see it up in like a, I guess a ventilation duct, and it's just glowing red. So he finds it and he can't turn it off, but he runs out and throws it down what is like a trash chute. And that apparently is enough um, insulation for the damn thing to blow up and not damage the ship, which I call BS on. (laughs) Capital B, capital S. Yeah, because if it... If he said, like, what he said was, like, it could take out about, like, a quarter of the ship. Be, like, this whole, his quarters and, like, five other people's quarters. And throwing it down a trash chute, I would assume that it would blow out the lower section of the ship, too. But it didn't, for whatever reason. So, Kirk is safe. Uh, And he's like, all right, someone has tried to kill me. Now, obviously, this man is on the ship. And they, um, let's see, did he call down? Oh, no, he, I think he called down to McCoy. And McCoy was monitoring uh, Riley and uh, putting in his report. Uh, you know, basically, Riley was poisoned by an uh, unknown person, but we believe it was... Um, the executioner who we we find out from McCoy's report that Riley's whole family was killed by. So of course Riley wakes up and he's up and about and he hears McCoy uh, dictating his report. And then that puts the seed in Riley's head to go find him and get revenge. And then cut to uh, the acting troupe is giving a performance of Hamlet. So that's fun. And uh, Anton's character is playing uh, Hamlet's father, the ghost of Hamlet's father. And all the while Kirk, uh, McCoy does call down to Kirk and says, Riley's gone. I think he heard what I said. You got to go find him. I think he heard what I said. Everyone in the room can hear what you said. These I, comms oh. aren't personal comms. <laughs> no. Was there, not a, was there not a nurse in the room? Nurse Chapel was not in this episode. Nope. No. Nope, nope. Because if there I, had been a nurse there, Riley wouldn't have been able to sneak out? Exactly. And if there was a nurse there, McCoy would not have gotten drunk. 
To be fair, right, exactly. in next generation, this still continues to be an issue where people are assigned to sick bay and then they just get tired and then they just get up and leave <laughs> and no one stops them. So this continues to be a problem. Right. It, it yeah, does. But, but Beverly Crusher or that other one, they're never drunk in sick bay. No. No, they were not. No. No. So that's um, the difference. Maybe, maybe just under alien influence a couple of times, but never like drunk. But by then, like synthahol was a thing, so you weren't, you could have that alco alcoholic beverage, but it not be alcohol, right? And not have the the same effects, which would be fun, I think. Right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so oh, Riley, just ignore them if you wanted. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, just ignore it. So Riley most definitely hears <laughs> what McCoy says, and he's like, oh, really? And then security gets on the line and says, oh, uh, the weapons locker was broken into, and there's a phaser missing. I want to know why people keep getting, how people keep getting phasers. So someone got a phaser to overload it. Someone else, and you can just break into the weapons locker. It doesn't seem like it's that hard. You just walk up, you're just they're like, They're not breaking. Like, they're not breaking. There's no security. They just walk in, grab it. They probably aren't even in like boxes. They're probably just lined up against the wall. So you don't even have to go all the way in. You just like pop your head in and grab one and then walk back out. Right. No security. This ship I mean, is it's anarchy on this ship. Right. <laughs> and it's, and it's going to be that way because. Their captain is too busy chasing tail. That's right. You 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 haven't even seen some of the best of them chasing <laughs> tail. It's it's there's a lot and it's never ending and it's just like Jesus. <laughs> you constantly <laughs> So my ship wasn't in peril, but it's in peril now because I've been ignoring it because I totally want to do the sex with her. <laughs> oh my god. Right. <laughs> right i i don't know about these people sometimes just they're special they're very special they're very special yeah um yeah that's right so two phasers i assume that both phasers of course belong to the enterprise and have been taken Ugh, that's even better Security said that only a phaser is missing, so they right. also cannot count. <laughs> <laughs> How many phasers well, maybe we have? Just, Who knows? <laughs> maybe they already account. <laughs> maybe they already accounted for the phaser that blew up. Oh, so they had that conversation previously. I'm. I I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to assume that when the phaser went boom in the trash, <laughs> Kirk and Spock had to tell someone. So the next time this ship makes planet fall, as you said, they are firing the security team and hiring a new one. Yes, they should. <laughs> they should. They should. They, they definitely should. I mean, they should fire all of them. Everyone on the ship. Next outpost that they come to, everybody off the ship. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Bye. And then Hooray, whoever's on that. 
bring him in. Uhura, you've been promoted. You're captain now, and Sulu can still fly the ship. All right, let's go. Oh, <laughs> yes. And, and, and you get to keep Yeoman Ram because she's on top, and you guys need to eat somehow. Fair. That's right. That's so fair. are we... So Riley is sneaking around backstage now? Yeah, so the all while the Hamlet play is still going on, and Kirk uh, goes... Oh, I did want to say something. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just learned this um, recently, but apparently it is bad luck to say, if you are in a production of Hamlet, it is bad luck to say the name of the play. Oh, no, that's Macbeth. To say the... Is it Macbeth? It's yeah, Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Then I should have said this earlier. Okay. Um, they actually did a good job of not saying the name of the play. Right. They say the name of the character, but they never actually say the name of the play. And because I just learned that was a thing, I caught that. And I was like, that is very cool. So mm -hmm. they, look, look at them. Look at them doing something. Look at them knowing something. No one's history. <laughs> they don't know anything else, but they know they that. They don't. Proud of you. They don't. That's so funny. <laughs> so Kirk. Um, they're going to put a drill in a, in, a, in a bath mat, but they know about the Macbeth. <laughs> they know about that. Because that's important. Because apparently they probably learned yeah. that in Starfleet Academy. They, or they call something. it ancient, ancient um, literature or something like that. <laughs> So Kirk uh, heads heads straight down to where the play is is being performed because he figures, you know, obviously Riley's going to be there and try and assassinate Anton. And um, all the while, like they're doing the play, they're they're doing their thing, and then um, like a three minute or so intermission uh, in between while they switch um scenes and stuff around they're off on like the side and uh kirk is trying to talk riley down he's like don't don't throw away your career uh and riley's like that's him i know that's him he murdered my family i'm gonna get revenge and kirk somehow manages to talk him down and take the phaser away from riley and then um anton and his daughter lenore come in and um he uh anton is like oh i just wish i could just wash my past away and he finally does admit that yes indeed he is um the, the man that they think he is and uh, he said a line like oh um like i wish i could wash away this stain of blood on my hands and his daughter said, like, oh, no, your hands are clean, father. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, she took care of it. He's like, what do you mean you took care of it? Come to find out, his daughter is the one that murdered David, poisoned Riley, and tried to kill the captain. Because they were the only last survivors that knew exactly who her father was. So she thought if she killed them all, that her father would feel free and um, safer to live his life now. And in a lifelong turn of events, he said, no, you just damned me and damned yourself. This was like the wrong thing to do. 
and you witness this kid having like a Shakespearean um, breakdown, like over the top, like hurt. Her mental state has completely cracked. She is, she's a murderer. She is like a psychopath, narcissist, all these things. And she believes that she was right in doing what she did. And she doesn't feel like there are any consequences. And uh, she's like, I'll prove it to you, father. And she managed to get the phaser and she tries to shoot Kirk, but her father jumps in the way and ends up getting hit and dying. And then that's when she, she loses her mind completely. So it's a, a very like um, Ophelia moment, you know, when Hamlet mm-hmm. just throws her away and doesn't love her and just plays with her emotions and mind and that drives her insane. So she had her Ophelia moment there, which I thought was great that they wrapped those two things together like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, it, sure. it, it, it was a very, it was a harder hitting ending than I thought it was going to be. Um, when she's like begging her dad to wake up and keep performing and just like the whole thing. And, um, it, it hit, it hit hard. Like when McCoy showed up later and he goes, Oh, she's, gonna get the best of care she's gone complete crazy she thinks the father's still alive and he's giving all these great performances and i i actually you know was just like wow they actually went all the way there Mm -hmm. you know and i was just like all right you know it's you know it makes sense with the ophelia moment as the name of the as the title of the episode is taken from hamlet yep um, end of act two so it it makes it really bind together for me yeah I thought that, uh, that was pretty brilliant actually it's one of the better written scenarios for um, this episode for sure so kudos on that <laughs> so that is the end of this that episode uh, so Mel final thoughts and your rating um Final thoughts and my rating. So, let me take a moment. So, <laughs> I'm just going to read my notes. Um, okay. I enjoyed this episode for its murder mystery quality and the way it followed through on it. Like, it actually follows the story um, and didn't really get. It, it had its, you know, piped off moments like Riley in the in engineering and O'Hara singing, which could have distracted from the overall story, but it actually, to me, um, lent itself to her. Um, backing was overboard. Um, you know, that one scene in, when Kirk confronts Anton um, was a little bit much. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. Um, I 
I'm a sucker for a good murder mystery. So the fact that they did that and they did it well. And I didn't I didn't catch on that it was the daughter until the end. Oh. Um so for me that's always when I'm like when I'm watching a mystery or reading a mystery, I'm always trying to figure out who the killer is. And if they can't, they don't get me, if I don't guess it before the end, I always say that's a good story. They did a good job. And so for me, they did a good job on um, I gave it a seven. Nice. Okay. David, what's your uh, final thoughts and rating on this? I also gave this a seven. Um, I thought the story, the through line throughout the story was very, very good. Um, I thought the performances were fine. Um, I understand why Arnold Moss, who played Kodos and Caridian, why he had to go, as Mel said, to 100, because he's got to keep up with Shatner acting. Um, it, it it was a little weird having um, the stuff between like Kirk and Lenore was odd for a while and didn't really do anything for me. It just made Kirk out to be a creep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think overall, this is probably one of the better executed stories that I think they've done so far. They, the, the stuff hits where it needs to and the performances are really good. Okay. Uh, Oh, yeah, you gave it a seven, right? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, my final thoughts. Um, This is actually one of the better episodes so far. Um, I do love when they intertwine um, the Shakespeare and um, the sci-fi future uh, together. And it did very much like Mel said, feel like a murder mystery, which is always fun to watch or, or read. Um, the I think the acting was really great on on all parts. Uh, there were like some bits where I was like, that was a little far, but they do, there's, they have to play off each other. And um, when it's like a heated argument, it's like you just have to go, up, up a notch, up and up until someone um, wins the argument. And I thought they did that pretty well. And um, uh, I would give this episode overall, I probably got like a seven and a half because I I really like that they uh, did a Shakespeare episode. I think that was really cool to incorporate that into a futuristic show to show that um, in the future, in, the, in any possible future, that Shakespeare's works will live on and still be taught. And like you know, other books, you know, like, like Jane Eyre books or um, books that are, are done by normal authors or authors of this era. Um, K- yes, yes. Jane Eyre is one book. I know. You said Jane Eyre books, and I was like, "Oh, did I say books?" Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They 
Okay, I'm I've like, read, Jane Eyre has read a sequel? It. What? <laughs> Didn't you know? Um, I've read it before. It feels like it's like five. But <laughs> just to know that in the future, possible future, that those stories are still read by by people. Um, so which is why I give it like a seven and a half. Because I like I like culture. <laughs> Yeah. So that wraps up this episode of Hailing Frequencies Open. We hope you've enjoyed and tune in next time. We will be taking a look at the episode Balance of Terror.